Welcome to Capsule Production Podcast's first episode of Season 4. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the decision to get a PhD after obtaining a pharmacy degree. We will also touch upon the benefits a PhD provides. We will be speaking with Dr. Flesher, a UF College of Pharmacy, PharmD graduate, and current PhD candidate here at the University of Florida. Dr. Flesher has been involved in several research projects whose information is provided in the description of this episode for your own reference. Dr. Flesher has been awarded the Graduate School Preeminence Award and the Merck Award for Outstanding Research. He has also been awarded a Predoctoral Research Fellowship in Pharmaceutical Sciences by the American Foundation for Pharmaceutical Education. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Flesher. Hello and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. I'm your host today, Joe Lazell, and I'm here with my good friend, Sean. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are excited to kick off this new season for you all today. Let's get started. Yeah, uh, uh, the awesome thing about this season, season four, is that now we're fourth year students. So now we'll be going on rotations and we'll be able to have a lot of different experiences to share with y'all this, this, this upcoming season. And for this first episode, we have a very, very intriguing guest and someone that uh, I hope you guys would really like to learn from and definitely reach out to if you have any questions is Dr. Fleischer. Hello everyone. My name is Brett Fleischer. I'm a fourth year PhD student and I had finished my PharmD at University of Florida in 2017 and I rolled that over into a PharmD. So my background is mechanistic modeling both with oncology and now antimicrobial. So I hope to provide you guys with a little bit of insight into my journey. It's a path not often taken, especially after a four-year PharmD, but it's a, it's a fun, fun journey sometimes. And it's, a, it's interesting you say that because our first question for you is, what are the benefits in being a pharmacist with a PhD degree? Mainly because of the additional years that you're going to have to tack on to after already getting that pharmacy degree. Right. So when we think of pharmacists, we think of individuals working either behind the counter at a CVS or, or a clinician, a hospital pharmacist. Mm-hmm. We don't often think about the pharmacists that are in industry or the ones that are teaching us, the academic pharmacists, uh, or the ones in government. So being a pharmacist within these areas means you're a drug expert. But we don't often get taught as a pharmacist how to think a certain way, how to think as a uh, as a scientist. So this is what a PhD allows you to do. It allows you to focus and specialize into a research area, primarily focused in, in pharmacy, in say a disease state or a way to analyze certain information. So you can speak multiple languages. You have the clinical side where you're able to talk with say, the MDs, the pharmacists. We are also able to speak with the, the scientists, the mathematicians, and the modelers within industry and academia, and as well as uh, FDA. So this makes you both more competitive, and it allows you to tie in certain things that may have been lost in translation. Thank you for providing insight into that for us. Can you briefly touch upon the additional opportunities and career paths that are available after obtaining this degree? So. The three main areas are academia, industry, and FDA. So if we're focusing on academia, academia for for a pharmacist, uh, 
or for for a PhD means writing a lot. It means getting grant money to support your work or working on the side as, as a pharmacist, which honestly isn't often done. So when you're working on a PhD, you're doing a lot of writing, a lot of editing, and a lot of scripting. And this process allows you to be more comfortable with putting together applications in order to get certain certain grant certain grant proposals. When we think of industry, we think of groups, uh, teams who are working on getting a certain drug approved. Now, this can take place in multiple stages of drug development. So you have preclinical, which is the, the hardcore basic science. Uh, we usually don't go into this field. Uh, we have preclinical and we have uh, clinical. Now, preclinical allows us to make the mathematical models in order to extrapolate and see to the best of our ability, is a drug working? And what are the odds of whatever drug candidate we have of going on to phase one, person human testing? When you're finally in phase one and phase two into the clinical early and late stage uh, development, we want to make sure that both the patient has exposure to drug levels that are not toxic and are efficacious. And this is also where pharmaceutics comes in. We want to make sure that you're not hitting these adverse side effects, uh, that we're getting to the place that we need to get with the drug, and that we're doing what we need to do. And this is what mathematical modeling, mechanistic modeling, PK, PD modeling, uh, you've probably heard these a lot in your uh, pharmacy classes. These are the bread and butter of pharmaceutics research, uh, where we can translate and extrapolate based on data we have, either preclinical, so mice, animal studies, to human first and stage with a small group of patients to late stage where we have many patients and we can go through a range of different patient characteristics such as body weight, such as uh, um, clearance of the drug through the liver or through the um, kidneys if the patient has certain uh, conditions and predict how a drug is going to affect the patient before we get those final results. Uh, and we can kind of know ahead of time if we need to uh, tack on uh, uh, an indication, a warning label, or change the patient characteristics in order to modify and to get the best outcomes possible. And then finally, FDA is kind of very similar to industry, except it's kind of the reverse. The purpose is we're trying to prevent certain drugs from getting into the market that may cause harm. So it's a lot of reviewing. It's a lot of making sure that uh, what um, industry is providing with you can actually benefit the patient in the end. So a PhD allows you to be ready for, for these kind of environments, uh, both with the reading, the thinking, and uh, the interpersonal ability to talk multiple languages. Thank you for that. And just for all those that are listening that don't know some of the acronyms, PK, what he means by that is pharmacokinetics. So that's meaning your absorption, distribution, metabolism, excretion of a drug. And then with the pharmacodynamics, what the drug does to the body. So that's what he was talking about by side effects and things like that. So um, for our next question, Brett, we just wanted to know if you could possibly just kind of talk about the process of obtaining a PhD. I know for some people, they say it could be about four years or three years. It depends. It depends really on, on your background and also your relationship with the mentor 
It depends on how much experience you have coming in, how many papers you have. There's a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, I came in with a farm B and I had spent most of my farm B experience working under either some form of mentorship, either before or during my, my rotation. So when I came into the PhD, I had already written two papers and one of them was a basic, basic science paper. Another one was a review paper. And not many people have this kind of uh, background when they come into the, the PhD. So for a, a farm D with that kind of experience, the timeline is going to be around, is going to be uh, usually three and a half to four years. Um, that's really, I would say three to three and a half years is, is as short as they can really cut it. Uh, typically, honestly, a PhD is around five years. I've seen some people go up to eight years. It really depends. So the process is not as structured, honestly, as a, as a farm D or, or an MD where you come in, you have set courses that you need to take. And then at the end, you have a certain amount of clinical rotation experience that you need to complete in order to be labeled as, as a pharmacist and, and go and get your uh, degrees with the NAPLEX and MCG and all this. It's more about a, a relationship with you, your mentor, and your PhD committee. So my process with completing a PhD was first finding that mentorship. And this happened before I even came into the RMD program. I reached out to people that were near the Orlando campus, which is where I did my PharmD. And I looked at profiles to see what they're interested in doing, what their experiences were. And, you know, the first part was really to establish that relationship. So I wrote them letters asking them if I could meet with them. And I expressed interest on working with them as I enrolled into the, the pharmacy curriculum. That allowed me to spend my first summer intern interning under one of the research uh, research professors at the Orlando campus. Um, I did this for another uh, summer, so two summers altogether, doing uh, lab work, bench work. And at the end of my third year, I took my GRE. I got letters of recommendation, and I transitioned into the lab. Um, right after I finished my, my PharmD. And the GRE, that's kind of a mandatory thing for anybody that wants to get a PhD? So far, the GRE is mandatory. Okay. UF has talked about using the PCAT score, but I don't know how serious they are about this, simply because um, the PCAT is um, mostly just, it's mostly chemistry, biology, math. Uh, the GRE includes English, I I'm sorry, PCAT also has English. Uh, the GRE is kind of like a, um, um, it's a larger um, SAT, basically. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. So you mentioned having a relationship with your mentors, and you also touched upon the experiences that you did have in research. I was just wondering, was there anything else that played into your decision to pursue a PhD after you've obtained your PharmD? I decided that I wanted to do a PhD well before I got into my PharmD. Uh, the reason was is I saw the PharmD as kind of a 
as a stepping stone. A lot of people, they see the PharmD as, as a career path. Um, I saw it as kind of a, a backdrop for um, other pursuits. I saw the PharmD as kind of a way to understand how drugs work and, and having a basic working knowledge of pharmacy. But I didn't intend on, on becoming a, a pharmacist, like a traditional pharmacist. Um, I saw the PhD rather as a way to change the way I, I thought about the world. Uh, I, I saw from my experience as undergraduate, as an undergraduate, that people with a farm uh, with a PhD just tended to act act a little different. You know, I, the professors that I met, the grad students I had met, um, by the end of their fourth or fifth year, they are a, just they're just a little different. There's something about them, um, and I had figured that if I had this background with pharmacy and this ability to think a little differently, that that could create some sort of synergy and put me into a different category. Um, I, so I don't mean to sound like I was trying to be a special snowflake or anything like this. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, this is just how I how I kind of wanted to lay out everything. No, and that's that's interesting because you decided to go probably the the route that's commonly less the route that's less less taken to get to your goal. But at the end of the day, it probably helped broaden your horizons and the way you probably look at problems. So going from that, I kind of wanted to ask you, how do you think that's helped you with your own personal research, the PharmD, as far as looking, as far as, I don't know if you pick your, the research that you do, or maybe your mentor kind of gives you projects to work on. It's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at like a stage, right? So when there's a spotlight on a stage, you're focused on that one character, the actor. It doesn't really matter so much on the backdrop when that stage light is shining on one specific person. In the same way, the farm D is kind of like the backdrop. Um, it gives you kind of a perspective, a way to kind of see the bigger picture and to why and to understand why things matter. Um, it also gives you um, kind of a feel for what's important um, as far as understanding the the adverse events or or what to look into, such as uh, or how to look into certain things, such as the, the Farm B resources. Um, but it doesn't necessarily give you all the information pertaining to the specialized topic. That's something that's very unique to the, the PhD because you really spend a lot of time on a very small, um, a small bit of research that not many people do. And um, it's just kind of two heads of the same, or two sides of the same coin. Okay, and then as far as the, what kind of research do you do, if you don't mind sharing with us? So, right now I have experience both with um, modeling biomarkers and triple negative breast cancer, um, as well as um, antibicrobial um, biomarkers. So, the first one, um, this takes up most of my project, is with uh, my first mentor. And the purpose was to try to assess ways to improve patient outcomes for those patients with triple negative breast cancer. That is breast cancer that doesn't have a marker for efficacious treatment. So this included um, looking into potential resistance mechanisms. Um, it included uh, using population PK modeling uh, to try to use uh, clinical data that's available through through published papers uh, and see 
what the general exposure profile would be for the typical uh, triple negative breast cancer patient and then link that with efficacious biomarkers to see if certain drug combinations would be effective theoretically in, in a certain patient. And uh, the last main project is with um, modeling, uh, mechanistic modeling for target penetration. Uh, can we, through mathematical models, um, explain pathways, resistance pathways within bacteria, um, and through these mechanistic models, explain uh, certain parameters, certain rate parameters that can only, you know, you can see these, how certain things change um, with the data on a graph, but can we actually like quantify uh, these parameters? Um, so I could get into more detail. But, um, the, the biggest thing is is um, if we can make a model that explains the world to the best of our ability, mm -hmm. um, then we can um, we can then try to break that model, see if there's any weaknesses with it, further make it stronger to the point where um, you can then theoretically um, test the model and make certain drugs better um, through the incorporation, the usage of this model. Nice. Well, that's that's definitely interesting, and it's something that that um, I've been fortunate to do research a couple of times in my life, and it's a totally different experience than being behind the counter in in the sense of pharmacy and doing lab work, uh, bench work, being involved with the different type of cells and culturing cells. And I always my my biggest thing is I always wonder like how does someone come up with these topics? That's always my my biggest thing. It's like how do you decide? you want to do research on this or do research on that. It's like, is it just having an innovative personality or would you say it's just something that is just more connections? Like, like you said, you have a mentor, maybe your mentor focuses on this and, and they've been so experienced in this field that they kind of like, Hey, you should look into maybe triple negative breast cancer. Um, there's, there's some things that are lacking in this field. Maybe you could be the one to kind of break that barrier and find that. A big part of it is really standing on the shoulders of giants. People that have experience in their fields are the ones that know what has been tested. I mean, they've presumably spent their entire lives or most of their lives uh, trying to understand a certain topic. And if they don't know the answers to certain things, then there's a good chance that it's something that's worth looking into. So most of my projects have been through the mentorship of others however there are also times uh, which are certainly more rare and, and i don't have really much experience with this but from the stories that i've heard people are able to find really innovative topics when they're able to look at a subject and they're able to see something not making sense uh, because it's those little ir irregularities that can actually make a world of difference with the assumptions that we have with science and when you can identify those you can test them and if you can test them in a controlled setting and see that the assumptions that we once thought true were actually false that's when groundbreaking science happens it seems like you were very proactive and you sort of knew research was your calling even after obtaining your pharmd so just for students that want to get involved in research, but don't know how, what advice would you give them? So if a PharmD student had asked me what they're, what they're interested in, and if they had said that they're interested in research, I need to first assess kind of what year they're at. 
Um, I would say there's really no limit to when you can start doing research, but that relationship with a mentor, um, you get the most out of it the earlier you start. So if a student has the time, then my first suggestion would be to reach out to a number of different professors, professors that are at your, your school, your college, and see what they're doing first, um, have something to talk about, and then try to arrange a meeting with those professors. You can either do it through email, um, but you could also try writing a letter, which is a little more um, unique. It's going to make you stand out. So once you have um, contact with them, you're able to then meet with them. Try to see if there are any potential research opportunities, even either during the summer or part-time, um, where you're essentially spending free time, either getting paid or not getting paid, um, but you're learning through that professor, you're building that relationship. If you have the opportunity to do the summer research, research internship opportunity, either with a senior student uh, or with a professor directly, certainly take that. Um, and then try to do as much side work as you can, hopefully by writing some sort of manuscript, some sort of uh, review paper, you'd get a better understanding of the research topic. And then that would allow you to then transition into a PhD after you're funded. Thank you. And then um, one, one last thing I was wondering, because there's so much writing, there's so much thinking, critical thinking, there's, it's a lot of tedious work, a lot of work you got to put in when doing research. But what do you feel is probably the most rewarding thing about research and then also the least rewarding thing about research? I would say the most rewarding thing about research is coming up to solutions to your own problems. This is really kind of something that leads into other parts of your life because the more the more you become self-critical of what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, the better optimized your life can potentially be and it all starts with asking the right questions you know if you don't have a good question you don't really have an answer to anything so i would say the biggest part of research and a phd is understanding what the PhD means, right? It's, it's a doctor of philosophy, and that's really what uh, you're getting out of doing something like this. You're developing a philosophy for your own life. So, you know, not to sound too cheesy, but it is kind of very, um, it is kind of metaphysical in some, you know, some degree. Mm -hmm. So as far as what's not too rewarding is the amount of time you can put into something and it not paying off. Uh, it's very tough to quantify exactly what benefit you're getting out of the work you're doing when you're going through the daily routines and motions of what it takes to get something out. And sometimes it may not even come out at all. Like sometimes you could spend months or years on a project and the, the whole project could be for nothing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uncertainty with choosing a career like yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, mainly because just just hearing horror stories of other PhD students uh, just having to put all the time into something and then it not coming out the way they expected, and it's that you almost have to 
be aware of that, but at the same time, understand that what truly really matters is the process and not necessarily the outcome. And it's for those type of individuals, I feel would be successful in research. You're always thinking about the outcome about doing a, getting a publication or, or solving the problem that may never be like, just looking at how, how long it's even taken us sometimes to figure out disease states. You know, there's still some, we still can't figure out a cure for cancer, you know, and it's like, how many years have people had it? So that's just, um, thank you for that. And then, um, Sean, do you have any other questions for Brett? I don't know that I currently do. Um, did you have any further questions for them? No, no, no. I'm, I'm good. So thank you so much for coming on, Brett, for talking to everybody, um, talking to our audience for us. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Well, how do you guys feel uh, moving forward with what I've, what I've said? Um, how, how would you, how would you feel? like the, the PhD would, would fit into the, the PharmD role? Would you, from what you've heard, um, suggest it? Or would you say, maybe try looking somewhere else? Do you want me to go first, Sean? Uh, I mean, I, I can go first. All right. So I think I gained a lot of perspective listening to what you said. I think it's more of you have to find that you have this strong interest in research particularly, like you said, like working with pharmaceutics or other types of um, science that are related to pharmacy. I think if that's something you're really passionate about uh, and you're proactive and you take the time to study under others, like you said, reach on the shoulders of giants. I loved when you said that. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a great route. And the fact that you listed uh, all the different routes, there were some like I didn't really think about. Like, I didn't really think much about like the FDA route and stuff. I know industry is very strong and so is research, but I think those are very interesting careers that we don't hear too much about, but they're also some of the most interesting ones, in my opinion. So I love that you touched on those as well. So. And then to add on to that, I would say two things. One, the as far as research with the PharmD, I like how you mentioned it opened so many different avenues for you. And I'm all about not being like closed-minded and having the opportunity to branch out and do whatever you want. And it, that gives you that type of exposure. So maybe you don't want to work as, maybe you want to take a break from research. Maybe you need to get, you know, you want to work as a pharmacist and maybe you work at CVS for a year or two, then maybe you get back into research. Maybe you just need a mental break. And it's like, you're able to do that. Not only that, but you're able to look at scenarios differently. And I feel that's where, like you said, which I didn't think about, it's a doctorate of philosophy. And that's something where your mindset is very big, how you think and how you evaluate things. And that's definitely allowing you having a PharmD background to be able to expand the way you think and the way you evaluate things. So that's one, I would say. And two, I would say it's uh, based off what you said, I kind of feel it's probably better to do the PharmD PhD than just doing a PhD outright. Like I, I feel it's it's more beneficial just to go ahead and do the dual degree because if it's going to take you, you know, a long time, whether it's six or seven or even let's say it's five years, it's when I do add on a couple more years and just get two degrees, you know? So it's just like, I don't see why not doing it that way. But that's just, that's just me. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for being willing to come on. I understand everything with COVID right now, but uh, appreciate you for being in on the Zoom with us. Thank you, Sean, also for being able to hop on. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. If you enjoyed our episode today, please be sure to subscribe and look out for new episodes. Until next time.